Welcome to Hey Julia Woods podcast. I'm your host, Julia Woods, founder of Beautiful Outcome, a coaching company focused on helping couples learn to see and understand each other, even in the most difficult conversations. On my podcast, I will share with you the real and raw of the messiness and amazingness of marriage. I'll share with you aspects of my relationship and the couples I coach in a way that you can see yourself and find the tools that you need to build the marriage you long for. Welcome to today's episode. I am excited to be here with my favorite guest. My husband, Jeff, is with me today, and we are going to be talking about a topic I never imagined we'd be talking about on air, Um, but we are talking about sexual satisfaction, how to grow sexual satisfaction in your marriage. And the reason we're talking about this is as I coach couples, I hear so many couples really challenged and really uncomfortable to talk about their sexual interactions together as a husband and wife. And so I just wanted, um, my husband and I have gone from, had quite a journey um, of sexual satisfaction within our marriage. And we just want to share some of what we've experienced in hopes that it can help you first and foremost, begin to become a lot more comfortable talking about sex with your spouse and really partnering together to develop sexual satisfaction. So first, I want to welcome you, Jeff. Thanks for being here. Thank you. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Just one of those awkward spaces. <laughs> We're sitting here 10 inches from each other. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, as we start today, can we just, would you describe in your words, what would you say sexual satisfaction means to you? Well, I think we, you said something earlier about our 32 years of, I guess, sexual satisfaction. You say that? Something like that. And we've had a lot of dissatisfaction. Right. We've had a 32 years of journey to Um, satisfaction. So your question is, what is sexual satisfaction? I think for me, it is a, (sighs) satisfaction sexually is when you and I are both in it. Because there's been many times in our marriage where that wasn't the case early on in our marriage. Mm -hmm. It was not the case. Yeah. As a male, I was very selfish sexually. And um, I don't think men come into the picture thinking they're, sec- they're, they're, they're selfish sexually. Uh, it took me a while to realize that I was selfish sexually. Because um, to me, sex was pretty much just a, a quick hit, a quick fix. Like, you know, just the way to feel good in a moment, mm-hmm. but not really have a long uh, tailspin, or I guess a long tail for it. Yeah. So yeah. So so sexual satisfaction for me, I think, is knowing we are both in it, enjoying it. Dare I say, climaxing? I mean, that's like let's just be blunt. Oh, we're gonna we're probably adults, talk about right? all those we're things. Adults here. Um, <laughs> yes, because quite honestly, that was not there early on in our marriage. Yeah. For me, sexual satisfaction is that both of us are really, uh, to me, it isn't as much a moment thing. It is a overall sense of 
both of us are really enjoying our interactions and our sexual exploration and adventure and that we both see a lot of possibilities. We both, we don't feel bored. We don't feel stuck. It feels exciting. It feels like, you know, we've got a lot of possibilities ahead of what to keep exploring and keep discovering together. And um, it's more emotional than physical. Yeah, it's quite amazing. I wouldn't have imagined. I didn't know years ago that a lie, uh, you know, sex within a marriage is it's really quite an adventure and it just keeps growing. It keeps developing. It really doesn't um, stay. It doesn't have to stay the same. We've definitely had seasons where it just was the same because we stopped believing that there were more possibilities. Mm -hmm. So um, as we move forward in the conversation, what would you say have been our issues over 32 years that were getting in the way? What are some of the issues that stand out to you that were getting in the way of sexual satisfaction? Uh, I, I do feel for me it was, again, it was the selfishness of just wanting my needs met sexually um, and not really considering your needs are, and, and fully not understanding the woman's psyche or the woman's body in a way that I do now. Um, I think you've always said it is, you know, men are microwaves, women are crockpots. And that's just, that's, that was it for me. It was just like, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and say like, yeah, hey, it was long time. And it was, <laughs> A minute, and I'm, I'm out. You know, I'm tapping out in a minute. Um, as a relationship is prolonged, that has obviously completely changed. You know, um, so again, it's just more of the. I didn't know. What I didn't know. Mm -hmm. In the situation, um, uh, and, and to be 100 percent honest, I, I, I learned sex are about sex um, through a very young age of pornography. Mm -hmm. You know, me and my cousin, we would little, we were young, we had no idea what it was or what was going, yeah, no idea of the magnitude of it at the time. And that was way before the plethora of online stuff and everything you have that kids face today. But as for me as a young kid, it was through, through magazines, mm -hmm. you know, um, found some of my dad's drawer or I, you know, my cousin and I. And so it developed in me a very selfish uh, way of, um, I don't say interacting with women. Um, it definitely created me a, a unhealthy habit of having my needs met mm -hmm. versus inviting you into that sexuality. Yeah. If you don't mind, we can just go back and forth as different issues come to mind. Um, so what we're going to do first is we're going to share with you the issues that come to mind, and then we'll walk through how we shifted those um, to move towards sexual satisfaction. So one of the big issues for me was not being able to climax. That was the first 10 years of our marriage. And, um, you know, I, I just really thought something was broken with me. And I think it was very frustrating for you as well. And I think both of us had gotten to the point where we just kind of just didn't think it was an option. And, you know, I had never experienced it in my life. And so I thought 
that maybe it was just something that wasn't possible for me. And I think that created a lot of issues. Yeah. I mean, I think the even more of a backstory is we, when we started our relationship, you were a virgin and mm-hmm. I, I really was not a virgin. So we came, we come into a relationship. Like I said, I didn't know. I didn't know. I, I didn't know women's body in that way that there is a same sensual, uh, the same sensual orgasm for a man can happen to a woman. Mm. I was kind of oblivious to that when we first got married. Um, and keep in mind, folks, when we got married, I couldn't drink at my own wedding. So <laughs> trying to defend myself here a little bit. but <laughs> No, no need for any of that. But, uh, well, I, and I couldn't drink legally. Let's put it that way. I couldn't drink legally at my wedding. So there was a, there's a young punk kid who thought he knew all the answers. But... In the relationship, it was more of, um, I didn't know how because I didn't realize there was something there for a woman like that. I just thought it was just like, okay, it felt good to, for them, and that was it. I didn't realize that there was a release that happened in a woman like it does in a man. Um, until that time, it did happen. <laughs> And then it was well, a whole new Pandora stop. box. Stop. <laughs> okay. Uh, what would be another issue that uh, you think came uh, blocked us from sexual intimacy? Well. Or, sorry, sexual satisfaction. I think it was um, not emotionally, not having an emotional connection. Tell for, me more about that. Well, I mean, we just I, we didn't know. You know, we've talked about this. People have heard us speak and stuff like that in the past. We've talked about um, what's the soul term? sex? Soul sex. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, of an opportunity where, while having a conversation or emotionally connecting, there's the physical arousal that's within your body that wasn't there. That was blocked. Yeah, we'll talk about that in the next section. Awesome. (laughs) Um, Something that wasn't working for me was the pornography. Hmm. I really, um, I had a lot made up about what that was about. And I I took it personally as though it was that I was inadequate or that something was wrong with me. So it really got in the way for me of being satisfied because I I already um, was very judgmental, critical of myself, constantly comparing myself to other women. So I gave myself permission to make up what pornography must be for you and really allowed it to block me from wanting to give myself to you freely sexually because I wanted to punish you in the way I felt you were punishing me. It was me and my own internal suffering of how I was comparing myself and criticizing myself. Um, but I really let that give me permission to kind of make sex just some duty that I had to, for you so that you wouldn't do that. Um, and so I used it as this pretty significant weapon many different times in our marriage. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know if it's, if this resonates with the guys watching, but for me, um, Obviously, pornography is a big issue in our society. It's even even more, um, what's the word, more aggressively thrown in your face than ever before. To be honest with you, 
although I watched or didn't watch, although I looked at pornography in those moments with my cousin as a kid, um, very young, you know, not even a teenager. Through my teenage years, I never had a desire for pornography, never really looked. I did not. I, I can't recall in my teenage years actually looking at pornography. You know, the only way of getting pornography at that time was you had to go buy magazines. You know, there was a the Internet. So there wasn't, I guess, that distraction or that uh, temptation. It, it didn't it didn't affect me. Uh, my teenage years and I've questioned like, what was that about? Um was it because I was being fulfilled through other necessities? And this is not, I get to cut this conversation. is isn't about porn addiction or where it comes from, but there was this definitely for me in my life at that time, there was other things that were more important to me that I didn't have to numb out or escape from basketball in my life was huge and it, I had success in it. And so therefore it fueled my desire to, be better, you know, like to grow, to um, advance. Um, Your confidence. Exactly. Yeah, it was my confidence. That doesn't mean I didn't have sex as a teenager because I did, but the pornography wasn't like there for me. It wasn't wasn't something I needed to go to to escape. Sadly, when you and I got married and first child came through, um, that's where it started picking up for me because – just escaping or not feeling I was man enough or not having, not feeling I was good enough. And then as our career took off, um, it became more prevalent then, than in my childhood. So I say that because I feel like it's something that maybe someone listening that had that same scenario, like um, it was for me an escape to numb because of, the, the lack of confidence. Even though I was a very confident person, mm-hmm. I was very lacking. lacking. You present as yeah. confident. Yeah. Present, Internally, yeah. it yeah. can be Internally, different. at the time, I was not as confident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, career, my career was um, scaring me if I could continue to keep up at that level. Yeah. So. Any other issues that come to mind that you think were blocking our sexual satisfaction? Um, I do believe our... We lack of experimenting, you know, at the time when we were younger in our married life, we didn't really experiment with, you know, sex in a way that we do now. Um, so, and that can open up a whole YouTube episode, video, whatever, <laughs> only, only fans type thing. But, um, it was really like, can you be clear? You're not talking about experimenting outside. Of our marriage. No, no, no. I'm talking about within you and I's marriage. Yes. Like this, the, the, we're open to a lot of things that we weren't open to in the past. So. Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve is one of those situations. Yes. <laughs> we'll probably talk more about that. People may not want to know that. <laughs> I don't know how much you want to hold. Uh, I think. Let's share what we think would be valuable. Um, So, and I think the last thing for me, and then we'll move on to how we move through all of these things, because they all really culminate. Uh, Many of them culminate together as to, especially the last four, really culminate together. And obviously what really uh, impacted sexual uh, satisfaction was the infidelity. And what I didn't know is the infidelity started sooner 
in our marriage before it came out to the level I knew about it. And so I think there was always that sense that, um, you know, I just wasn't satisfying to you. And so that was, uh, you know, something after the affair happened, I, you know, I didn't know if we'd even be able to go on in marriage, but in the deepest parts of that suffering, I couldn't imagine how sexual satisfaction was even possible after that. Um, so I think those things all played a part in our lack of sexual satisfaction, or as you said, sexual dissatisfaction. And yet all of them are what began to be the catalyst and the gift for the beauty of what we discovered it can be. Um, so anything else on that? Are you ready to move to how we address these issues? Okay. So let's go with the selfishness. How do you feel you address that and what shifted that for you? Man, I don't know if I can put a finger on what shifted it. All I can say is when I began to watch your satisfaction, it gave me, what's the word? It gave me more intention on satisfying you than myself. Mm. Up until then, life had always been about me, you know, in terms of I'm an only child. I was, you know, raised in a family where I was adored by aunts and uncles and grandparents. And so there was always this admiration that was uh, that kind of created a villain in some respect in me because I became my ego. Mm -hmm. So then coming into marriage, um, I made it all about me. And then I remember at times the pornography, I would, I would justify it because you weren't in the mood or you weren't feeling it. I thought, well, if I do this, then I won't have to pressure her because pressure on you, um, sometimes in sexual, in our, in our sex life in the past was a frustration for you. Um, so I think I've gotten off a little bit of topic. So can you bring me back again? How did you move through the issue of selfishness? Okay. So selfishness, I think began when I began to see the pleasure that I provided you, that made me feel good. Like mm -hmm. I wasn't, like I didn't care about myself as much. I, in this day, I just, I, I don't. It's pretty important to me that you are fully, you know, in it, mm -hmm. you know, emotionally, physically, and sexually. Yeah. Because if not, I, I don't want, like we, you know, I, we used to say, I don't want a sympathy. <laughs> she won't let me cuss on the show. But, <laughs> Begins with an F, ends with a K. <laughs> I didn't want a sympathy. I got you. Bark. <laughs> stupid word. Um, so, and we got, we did that a lot, you and I. I mean, you, yeah. you, you, well, you, you sympathy right. screwed me all the time. Um, yeah. Well, that would be another piece that didn't work, which is connected, is that, you know, I um, turned sex into a chore that I needed a to checklist. do once yeah. a week. Yeah. It was a chess checklist thing and it was my duty to do when that definitely didn't work. And I, I do believe a part of that, a lot of that season 
was when I wasn't climaxing. I don't think we had any awareness of, of the beauty of what was in, available for us. But it's interesting because we did say that a lot. Like when we would get in a big fight after sex going poorly or whatever, I remember many times we would just say, you know, can we just pray? And we would ask God, you know, to help us experience the beauty of what he made for this to be. Well, it's even funny you mentioned that because I think the way you and I were raised in Judeo-Christian um, beliefs is sex is a taboo mm-hmm. to discuss or to talk about in the church or in youth groups or in, you know, in life. It was just a very, very, our generation, I, I, I probably has changed maybe somewhat now in the church, but when you and I were raised in church, it was, you didn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you just, you just, and, 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 and the men's clubs or the men's groups, they was, you know, more emasculating than they were helpful in a lot of, a lot of sense. But um, you were just scared to talk about sex. Yeah. Even with your wife, like even with you, like I did not share yeah. with you a lot what was going on for me because of, sh- I felt you would might shame my desires. Yeah. We had a lot. We, we just didn't know how to talk about it. Yeah. We chose to, it was it was embarrassing to talk about, but I do think the willingness to just pray and um, believe that there was something beautiful, I think, gave us a lot of hope. Um, the the part for me of something you want to say? I just don't know for me if I like fully prayed in that situation. Well, you would often be the one that would ask me if we could pray. Yeah, I get that, and I think it was more of just like. I don't know if it was around sexuality as much as it was just understanding each other, understanding what what was going on for both of us. Yeah, for me, it was very much about God. What what are we missing? You sure. definitely like it wasn't like, hey, created God, please let me this. Have some sex. That was never the prayer. Oh no, that prayer. no. Or, or you know, no, pray that she was... gets more turned on or whatever. No, no, no. It was I. I felt it very genuine in the moment of we don't seem to know how to do this thing in a way that creates sexual satisfaction. And can you help us figure that out? Um, One of the big changes happened when um, with the climaxing in that um, you kept inviting me that there was to, to discover that there was something that wanted to happen. And, you know, I just kept fearing that it, maybe it just wasn't possible for me. And I, I was listening to, um, a podcast of that type of day uh, of a message. And the person was sharing that often um, climaxing isn't possible for a female when, or not that it's not possible, that it is um, challenging for a female when they're still working through a father wound. And that often um, when there's been, you know, harsh treatment from a father, a daughter will learn how to clamp down and just brace for tension in life and kind of like hold their breath and hope that the stress passes. And that that's often what a woman needs to learn is how to work through that, how to let go. And so that was the first, I I was so blown away by hearing that. I couldn't believe it. Um, It felt like an answer to prayer to me. And I came home and started talking to you about it. And it began to open up our ability to 
communicate, you know, and I, the idea of letting go, I didn't, couldn't even fathom what that meant. And we started talking together about it and you began to encourage me. And, um, then, you know, you just kept encouraging me even in the act of just like, would you let yourself let go? And eventually it, it happened. The floodgates open. Yeah. And we were both like, wow. <laughs> okay. This is uh, something that. that has some possibilities. That was probably what, maybe 10 years 10 in, years in, in their yeah. marriage. So yeah. and I know there's probably a lot of listeners and there's, I mean, you and I both read and study and things and understand that there is still, um, we've, we've talked with people even in our own lives where the couple is struggling uh, after mm-hmm. 15, 20 years. So yeah, after 10 years, to finally see that there was something there began to open up new possibilities. Yeah. In that. And yet, you know, if you've, you've, you're probably hearing, if you're listening, you're hearing, you know, in the conversations as we described the first decade of our sexual intimacy together, there was a lot of... Um, we didn't really know how to have open and honest conversations. That was very challenging for us. Um, and whether it was about sex or about anything, and that began to lead us to the next decade. While great sexual, you know, both of us climaxing, there's new possibilities, but then there was a lot that had built up in the first 10 years that really began to get even more cemented in the next 10 years. And, you know, sex was felt normal. It felt regular. There was, you know, some fun and play to it. Uh, but it still was a lot of ways, um, something I thought I had to do. Yeah, for still you. a lot of sympathy. And, yeah. And then if we can just, if we can kind of com- combine the next four together, the emotional connection, pornography, lack of experimenting and, the infidelity altogether, because in essence, I think for me, you can say differently for me, what broke through all four of those was a very similar aspect. Like that summer, I think changed for me, changed all of those. Uh, but what would you say? Would you see it differently? Um, well, I think you need to put context around that. Yeah, I will. Um, but, um, yeah, obviously after that summer, a um, lot changed. Yeah. So I've shared in other episodes about um, when the affair came out. And so just for short, simple context for this conversation. So you confessed that there was another woman and that you had been it was an emotional engaging affair, yeah. with her. It was also, it also some, some had physical. some physical to it. Um, and that, and through that, um, we connected with a friend and a friend explained that if you wanted, if you had any hope of the marriage surviving, you needed to be a hundred percent honest. Um, and then, you know, I owned what I wanted and needed and I was committed to healing. And so I ask you to leave. I asked for a separation. I ask you to leave the home and tell the children why you were leaving. Mm-hmm. And that began that summer. It was actually May 31st. We've always referred to it as that summer. That summer. It's always that summer. Um, and so well, keep in mind too, that summer also, we there for me, there was also um, 
I don't know if I initiated it or you initiated it, but there was to be absolutely no physical contact. That was 100% your. Yeah. No physical contact, no climaxing, no masturbation, no pornography, nothing of the sort. It was like a 90-day reset. It was something. So if you can back up a little. So I gave the context and then you went your way and I went my way. Mm -hmm. I focused on healing Mm -hmm. and you focused Focused on healing. And it seemed for you that you really wanted to address the pornography issue. And so the sexual addiction, um, what do you call them? Anonymous, I guess. Sexual distance support group. Yeah, support group, you know, just as well as some counseling um, at that time with um, some friends. Um, But yeah. Yeah, you were going to a professional counselor as well. Yes. Yeah. So first you confessed Mm -hmm. moments of infidelity that had happened earlier on in our marriage. Mm -hmm. And that was very powerful. While it was very hard, it was important for me in the healing process to feel like there was nothing between us. In the past, I had felt subconsciously there was something between us, but I couldn't ever figure out what it was. And so for me, your willingness to be brutally honest and honest to the point where you knew it would hurt me, but knew that ultimately it was what I would need to heal. Mm -hmm. I think for me, that began to create the emotional intimacy. And then that it went great greatly further than that. Um, but that for me was the start of the emotional intimacy was your, your honesty. And then you decided you wanted to focus on healing the pornography addiction. And if you want to share more of, you know, that obviously you decided to, you wanted abstinence for 90 days and yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, all that just sucked at the time, like <laughs> just, uh, the load that you put on that I put on the kids and the load that I put on you and even the load that I put on myself. Um, so that was just a, yeah, it's like that we've, you've talked about it. Other podcasts or other videos about that tension. And that was a very tension driven time um, where for the first time I was really just alone, mm-hmm. you know, it's just me. Like I got married young from being in my parents' home, freshman year of college, got married. I didn't have that, um, that time where I just be by myself. And it was like, I was scared to be by myself and read some great books, um, that helped me understand, um, what was really going on. And that's kind of the whole process of the 90 day reset. And it was an amazing 90 days, even though at times it was a lot of pain mm-hmm. going through that 90 days. Yeah. Um, a lot of pain and both physically and emotionally. And then, but it was just an amazing, I've heard it even since then, I've heard people talk about on other podcasts about how a lot of times guys will do a 90, a 90 day reset. And here I think now was like the first ever to, to invent this, but it sounds like <laughs> it's something that a lot of guys do. And it really, I remember specifically how things were different. Colors, smells, tastes were to say completely different to me during those 90 days. Um, it's really interesting. Like I've heard people talk about when you, you climax and things like that, like what, what gets lost 
in it in terms of who you are as an individual, your testosterone and everything else. And so storing that up per se, um, it just built in me this whole new level of connection, of um, seeing things differently, feeling things differently. And obviously, the, like all five senses are completely affected by that ability to abstain and reset um touch everything i mean you know even if you if you were to touch me then it was like Mm -hmm. if the wind would blow i was ready it would be ready to go i mean it was like that type of sensation um and then obviously you and i had some pretty good conversations during those those 90 days yeah so the healing you know you were focused on you and you had asked me um, five different times, hey, can I come? And you would confess more. And then gradu- Then in, a sh- in probably a couple weeks, you asked if you could take me on a date. And um, so it was very, I'm like, yes, but I don't want you to try and hold my hand. I don't want you to try and hug me. I don't want anything because I didn't know. She was rude. <laughs> no, I was <laughs> working to heal my broken heart. So... We, it started off extremely slow. And then about a month in, we were pretty much into just dating. And, yeah. um, I was still living somewhere else. You lived somewhere else yeah. for the whole three come, months. If I, if I, I would come home on the weekends and hang out with the kids and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, you would come. And yeah, so at, anyway, so it just started out. All we had was talk, all mm-hmm. we had was the ability to talk. And we started, you know, obviously all of a sudden the scales were torn off and the reality of what we had been contributing and what we had created over the first 20 years of our marriage blew both of our mind. And we were both highly responsible, taking responsibility for our contributions to where we'd gotten and how we gotten there and what did we want to do moving forward. And so we began to discover each other in a way we, we, one of the reasons I fell in love with you is I thought we could talk about anything. And so I literally went from 20 years of thinking we could talk about anything to, to the blinders coming off and being like, oh my gosh, we couldn't hardly talk about anything. We, we were really quite reserved when it came to our own dark side. Sure. We couldn't talk about the shame that we felt. We just shamed each other. We couldn't talk <coughs> about, um, you know, the jealousy we felt, we couldn't talk about that we were, you know, attracted to other people or, yeah, you know, marriage became routine. Yeah. yeah. And so anyway, we began to enter into honest conversations in a way I had no idea what honest and open conversations had even meant, but we just started going there and exploring and finding out things about ourselves and each other. And, um, one day, we were talking and we both had this physical experience as though we had sexually climaxed, but we had not even been touching each other. And we, we had just been talking and we both were going to counselors at that time. And we talked to our counselors and both of them described it as what's called soul sex. We'd never had it before. We never knew it was a thing, but will you describe for you what that was like for you? Um, for me, it was just a, 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 a internal satisfaction that um, this was going on during the 90 day reset. So mm-hmm. like I, I, having sex was out of the question or climaxing was out of the orgasm was out of, out of, out of question. But it felt for me 
there was just this overwhelming satisfaction and content that would stimulate what it felt like. You know, the dopamine kicks, everything was was high gear when you climax right up an orgasm. So that was that was having those same types of feeling without in, in, a, in a nutshell, the wet dreams, like as you did as a kid. Um, it was kind of like that, but there was no, there was no actual physical release. Yeah, there was no evidence of um, anything like yeah, releasing. It was just a physical relaxation, dopamine. I mean, yeah, I, I don't have to go into description for everyone what that feels like. Everyone has had that experience, but that's what it felt like. Is that. Yeah, and we both were blown away, and we just had no idea that was possible. And it, it had come about out of just the conversation being layered. We just kept digging deeper and deeper into exploring and discovering and learning about ourselves and what what brings that about and what brings you to think that and um, you know needing to articulate and describe things that nobody had ever asked us these questions before and we were asking them of each other and finding out and learning. Even one night, I remember um, you uh, we had to stay at a hotel, I think because we were photographing weddings at the time we stayed at a hotel. And um, actually, I think this was after we were remarried. Um, but just an example of the kind of conversation, uh, we woke up, we were at a hotel and there was a bad storm that woke both of us up and we just laid there talking and, you know, we were asking each other questions like what happened when you were a kid, when there were a storm and that was, I know that I was in St. Louis and that was the day before I left with the kids to go to story brand. No, sure. Promise you. <laughs> we stay, I, I was sleeping on the that, cot. Right. But that's a different yeah. We were staying at the W in the story that I'm recounting. Your, your stories have really nice hotels. <laughs> so um, anyway, but it was just so powerful, the things that we'd been married for 20 years at that point. We thought we knew each other so well, but we began to feel like little babies just discovering who we were and who this person we were married to was. Sure. And I think that even speaks into what we were running from when we got married. We are both running from our families. Like we kind of ran into our marriage just to escape you to escape your household, me to escape mine. So we really didn't have that opportunity. We were dating and married. Even though we knew each other for a very long time, we were dating and married for three months. Well, we dated for five months and Got engaged married. for three months. Married, yeah. It was eight months. And, but a lot of that was said, also long. Sometimes some of that was also even long distance. Sure, I would have said I was running from myself. Sure. I didn't want to face the dark side in me. I didn't want to face my villain. And to me, that was a lot of what would were those conversations this summer. Is we were being honest with ourselves and with each other about yeah. our villain. We that, would and even sexual desires, like things that I was afraid to afraid to chat with you about. Yeah. So it began to create this very open and honest conversation that that began we began to experience the gift of emotional intimacy. I began to understand what it was. I think you began to not be scared of it and realize it wasn't about me crying on your shoulder. It was about us really getting honest with each other about, you know, vulnerable 
it's vulnerable to explore something with another person for the very first time that you're thinking about things you've never thought about before and you're exploring it. Um, that vulnerability and that honesty created a whole new level. With the pornography, you began to let me into the journey, your journey of wanting to be free of that. And that was very powerful when we began to learn to apply the open, because every book you were reading, every counselor you were talking to was saying, don't involve your wife. It's too messy. It's too much. She can't handle it. You need men that are accountability partners and all those things, right? For the most part. And so we really stopped. We just didn't talk about it much. But then we began saying, you know, do you want to talk about it? Yes, I want to talk about it. Okay, well, then let's talk about it. Let's not listen to what everybody else is telling us we should do. And as we began to talk about it, it was very powerful what we began to explore. I began to learn you graciously, vulnerably helped me understand that what I thought was happening in those moments isn't what was happening and what was actually going on for you. And we began to explore, like, when would the temptation come? What brought the temptation? What did you need when the temptation come came? And my experience was together, we walked through that in a way that created the freedom that you felt. What, what would you describe or say about that? Yeah, I think it was... The pornography always had one one agenda and that was to create shame, mm-hmm. you know, um, and to know that eventually to know that I wasn't alone in that, like there was other men struggling with this and men that were maybe men, like I, I would say at the time that our sexual, our sexuality, our sex drive was, was good. And yet mm-hmm. I still needed the pornography and we, I could never for the life of me quite put a finger on as to why or what, was mm-hmm. driving that. Yeah. Um, and so. Yeah. And what we discovered was it was most often when you were at a place at work where you felt uh, insignificant, or, incapable, yeah. didn't have enough. Uh, it was you know, it was when being, yeah, it was like confidence or. Yeah. So then that was so helpful for me because I realized, oh, my gosh, it's not. It's not about me. Sure. It's about what's going on for him. No, it's never been. I, I, I think, I don't know, maybe most men, I, I, some of the men that I know and have talked to about this, it, it's come down to, it's, it's never really been about their wife. It's been mm-hmm. about their own wounds or their own trauma or their own situation. And I totally make sense why a woman would feel like it's about them because it's, it's objectifying women, pornography is. And so... Of course, you, it would make sense that you would think it's because this girl was whatever. She's beautiful or she has this bigger, that bigger, whatever. Um, and you don't have that. You think, okay, there's a comparison going on there. But that was never, for me, that was it was never about like, because I was not getting sex at home. Mm-hmm. Because I was getting sex at home. Um, it was more of this, this escape yeah. That I just wanted to be, I just wanted to, to depart for a bit. Yeah. Take a train and just be alone. So. Yeah. And how, how would you, if someone's listening and they're working, they're either a wife listening or a spouse listening and their spouse has got an addiction going on or they're a 
someone who has an addiction or don't even realize it's an addiction, but, you know, turn to pornography. How would you say, what would you say is what helped you get free? Well, I don't know if I could speak to the ones that don't even know it's an addiction. Personally, I think I can speak. How did you know it was an addiction? I think the counselor. Well, it was addiction because it was like a drug because it's like I wanted that dopamine kick. Mm-hmm. And they've said, I've heard studies say that if you've watched two minutes of porn, you're addicted. Mm-hmm. Like your brain is already creating that rhythmic motion that it needs for just like I would compare to someone who needs cocaine or someone that needs weed or other, you know, drugs. It's, it's a, it's a controlled substance mm-hmm. in a roundabout way. Um, and so for me, I think realizing that that I was being controlled by something else. Um, and then knowing that is also like, what was, what were my reasons for watching or looking? Um, and like, you know, even today, like you and I will watch stuff and it'll be soft porn, something like that online or on, on, on a movie. Yeah. Movie, Netflix, whatever. It doesn't even hit me the same way. It doesn't affect me. Why do you think that? I think because it's, Sounds. I mean, it's not a good answer, but it's like it's just that not it's, the desire isn't there. Mm-hmm. The desire for that kick isn't there. Um, How much do you feel that what we began to experience because we got remarried, um, we renewed our vows on our twentieth wedding anniversary, which was the end of the summer. Um, how much would, and so then we began to experience for the first time, the combination of the emotional connection we developed over the summer in combination with physical intimacy. Do you feel that played a part in it for experiencing the gift of what we both were experiencing for the, for the first time of this combination of emotional, sexual intimacy do you feel that played a part in the desire waning for that? Yeah, or? I think because you, you you began to what I thought what what I judged you on was that she's never going to let me do this or she's never going to um, go for that. And when I began to speak into that to you to fig, to, to not not to ask but to give you my desires, that began to wean away and, and quite honestly there, there were things that i even saw while watching porn that i would like i would love to do that with her so some people might take that well see pornography is educational like no that's, that's bullshit that's not it's not educational it, you know i did see things that i liked that i wanted to do mm-hmm. and so when i began to share those things with you and you began to be very open to it um or at least have a conversation around it. I can't say yeah. you're open to it. Well, what started is it was my idea. I asked. Here we go. <laughs> I asked. I made a request. Could we do? Could we each write down our sexual fantasies mm-hmm. and come together? Okay. Come together and share them with each other. And you were surprised by some of the desires I had, and mm-hmm. I was you know, open to a lot of the desires you thought there was no way I would be open to them. But because we'd never had an honest, vulnerable conversation about it, we were both making up things about each other. And, you know, I think that made a huge difference was just 
starting to really share things that we'd never even thought as possibilities with each other. Well, for me, it was more like, I, I can't share this with her because of guilt or shame. Like it's, it mm-hmm. seems diabolical <clears throat> what my mind was thinking that I wanted to do sexually. And, you know, I've, I've always, I've, I've always heard that, you know, script. I mean, I guess it's a scripture that marriage bed is undefiled, you know, that type thing and I'm thinking, well, what exactly does that actually mean? Mm-hmm. You know? So, um, but yeah, we begin to have <clears throat> conversations and then you also like, you know, there's still some, <laughs> still some boundaries there yeah. <laughs> that were, <laughs> yeah, it isn't that if the other it doesn't person, mean like you're giving me permission to do all this stuff, it's right. because we have a conversation. If there's plenty of things that are on my list of fantasies that have not come to pass yet. And you know, some for you. So it isn't that you immediately, if you begin to get honest and vulnerable about it, oh, okay, then that means that's what we need to do. It's the power of owning ourselves and you know, continuing to grow together and explore and, and do things. And we began to find out things we had no idea that we would enjoy. Mm -hmm. And we might want to come back around to Adam and Eve. And one of those was just um, the freedom to be adventurous in very secluded private places that we happen to come upon. Well, for, for, because I guess theoretically it would be illegal, but it's, <laughs> was on our, it was on our own property. Yes. Okay. So let's get, yes. let's preface that. <laughs> so it was on our own property that, you know. Before that, it was pretty much under the covers on our bed was pretty much. One spot. Yeah. Yeah. Where now it's not like that. So it's kind of no. like Adam and Eve for us is just more of a. It's like the freedom of what it must have been like. It's an adventurous, only uh, adventurous sexual encounter. And. But yeah, because if you sit here and tell them like, oh, we have sex in public, then that's <laughs> theoretically illegal and the sex police will come after theoretically. you. Theoretically. It's, so, it it it. it's frowned upon. It is frowned upon. So, um, you know, I, it, it's been fun to have this conversation with you and um, we've pretty freely talk about this, but yet to think about sharing it with others and think about the overall 32-year journey of we had to get really stuck in order to really get free. And my hope is that that's not that this helps other couples not need to get stuck in order to find freedom. Um, and hopefully our kids are not rolling their eyes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I hope this has been helpful for you. Anything else you want to share? You know, Jeff and I are passionate about being pretty open with the very hard lessons we've learned um, because we hope that somehow our hard lessons learned can help other people not need to go through the hardship. And so if there's things that we shared um, that you have questions about, please uh, reach out. Please let us know. Our desire is to help couples have thriving lifetime marriages. And um, if there's something that stood out to you, something you took away, we'd love to hear in the comments below. And thank you so much for being with us in this episode today.